0: Congratulations! You're listening to a Radio One ninety-one FM podcast. And here we go. A bit of a rarity, Flynn have been in the same room doing a podcast for once. Yeah, that's 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 a a change to recent um, recent trends because we've been separated by a geography by a long four and a half hour drive I had to do this morning. <laughs> Also, what, what happened to the. And we're live, Ben? That's a change as well. Well, we're not live. We never were live, to be honest. I don't know where it came from. It kind of just stuck around and. Yeah, there's hung actually for just a, years. a serious amount of editing that just goes in and it's nothing like the live performance anyway. So so it was a live. <laughs> Thank anyway. God, it's not like the live performance. But, it, but it's good to be back. It's good to be in our, um, our natural setting opposite each other at a table talking over our laptops about random science content. Yeah, and, uh, and actually, uh, official. Great studio. Thanks, yeah, Radio One, for hooking us up. Yeah, thanks, Radio One. Obviously, they're our um, facilitator at the moment. They've picked us up off the ground and, and made us be able to get another season out. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. It's also nice because we re- referred to our bedrooms as a studio for the last like two and a half years when it was really just us squeezed up on a couch talking into like random mics that we had lying around. So it's good. It's good to be back. Good to be professional. Yeah, what is it? Season three. Season three, coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> we had a good episode last week. If you caught it with Miles Lamar from uh, the marine science department, um, Ben had a chat with him. It was great. Listen to that if you haven't already. But uh, yeah, this week we're going back to our normal content, our usual, our usual layout with with an addition, a surprise addition. So stay tuned. Yeah, we're going to gaslight you a little bit, not tell you what it is. So we're gonna we're gonna start with science news as per as per. I think so, and I th- think you had you had something you wanted to talk about first one. Um, ah, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go at the end. It's a bit bit more on on the climate. I'll let you cut into it because you got some more positive news than the positive news than my negative climate <laughs> well, news. Well, there's been a lot of stuff happening on Mars at the moment, the okay. other planet in the solar system. That's exciting. Um, so obviously they had the new ro- the rover land there. And they've managed to create oxygen for the first time on that on the planet as well, the Martian oh, planet. That's like um Matt Damon's The Martian. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's coming into into reality now. Yeah, from, from the pages into real life. How how did they do it? I, I don't have a clue. For it. It's all it's, <laughs> all it's all it's all it's all above rocket above science. Mate. It's all rocket science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They managed quite, to synthesize um, O2 somehow. Yeah, and that's just with with like Wally, the robot, just up there. Just putting his putting banging, his hands being together. Being bucket chemist. Yeah, Wally the bucket chemist on Mars sorting and, out. And they've also done um, three successful flights on the on the Martian planet as well with their with their drone. I did see that. Um, they were very impressed because there's obviously very little atmosphere there. So like, how do you fly on a planet where there's no atmosphere? They they did it. They did it. I don't know. But, how. Flynn, recent development. The fourth test failed. So oh. they're not sure what's happened. Something's gone gone awry yeah and, and there, there could be there could be trouble trouble in paradise you hate that it's like when you you type in a code or whatever and there's a big if you ever used r studio you used r studio ben of course i've used you, <laughs> the bane of my undergrad degree and and you get to the end of the code and you press enter and it just tells you that it's there's there's not an error. working there's never an th- there's an error somewhere it's deep within all the working that you did and you just have to start again and work out what you did wrong poor i <laughs> I feel for them. I feel for them. I've been there. Yeah, and you can't do anything to fix it because it's just so far away. Yeah. And there's also a bit of a delay in the signal getting here. Yeah, no, that's true. So we are like four or seven minutes behind. Yeah. So you're waiting to get something back, and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs nervously. It's a lot of money on the line. Yeah, no. Space is a lot of money. I can imagine. Well, that's exciting, though. I love space news. Space news is, you know, it's positive because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's exploration of out of... Off the planet, sort of into the stars. It's exciting. It's the frontier. It's the frontier. Exactly. Um, and more of a somber one, we talked a lot about the Amazon rainforest last year, especially in relation to their their fires, the cut slash method that the farmers were using to, yeah. to cut it all down. As, especially at the start of 2020, we were talking about that. Also, to go along with um, Australia, we were having their bushfires, and it's sort of always happening at the same time, really. Um, and yeah, well, so, so what have you got to give us a bit? Of um, well, follow-up. actually. The Amazon Basin is no longer taking CO2 out of the atmosphere now. It's become an emitter. And man, is it a serious emitter. Yeah. Oh, God. There's so much carbon stored up in that that thing. So between 2010 and 2019, the Amazon Basin absorbed 13.9 billion tons of CO2, which is a fair amount. But unfortunately, during that time, it emitted 16.6. God. So it's extra three billion tons on top of on, oh. on top of what it took. So it's pretty much emitted it's, three billion it's, tons. It's those stats where you're like, oh man, we've really like effed up the planet. We've really screwed up here. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> this is this is the more concerning stat. I think that really puts it in perspective. Is that studies the study sh- one of the studies that was conducted showed that deforestation through cut and slash, which is where you cut down some some bush and then light it all on fire and let the let the fire run, increased fourfold compared the previous years 1 million hectares was cut down which is 2.5 a- 2.5 million acres and that increased to 3.9 million hectares which is 9.5 million acres which is roughly the size of the Netherlands so a whole country that's incredible was was made pretty much yeah created from forest if, if also if anyone listening is interested in this we did especially earlier seasons we talked on slash and burn methods um agricultural farming deforestation and soil and soil Amazon as well and um why and how, how it's the most worst soil in the world to yeah, be farming on. it's it's good for like one generation of farming and then the actual soil yeah we, we've got a whole we got a whole podca- we got a, got a whole podcast on these things um but yeah so you can go back and listen to that but we're it's good to it's good to hear an update, or even if it's a bad update on yeah. the um, Amazon rainforest. And it doesn't help that they've. The, I can see why they've done it, but the the Brazilian government, or well, the Brazilian people, elected quite a quite a far right government who yeah. um, who is very for the expansion of industry and and things like that. Yeah. which I can see why because they're a developing nation, but it still sucks to to watch and be third party too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a, in a Brighton Oakland. Um, humans are currently using one point of one hundred and seventy three percent of the world's total biocapacity, so we're almost living at two times the Earth's sustainable resource collection. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's awesome. Well, wow, that's that's really a brighter note. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's all around the consumerism, and, and it's super hard to change it all, but because it's the way everything's set up. But yeah, it's still it's still good to take notice of and, and be like, hey, maybe I don't need that new pair of shoes or. Yeah, something. I, I have a feeling it's like, yeah, the system's a bit rigged for that at the moment. But, I mean, you know, you it starts with small steps, and it also just starts with any steps. And a bit of account- accountability. And accountability, yeah. So you just got to be conscious of everything, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the- science news has always been a bit somber. <laughs> through We've, we've learned this. Yeah, there's, there's the great discoveries of space, and then followed by, pretty much every week, the great discoveries of space and of his, ancient history, followed by the climate. Yeah, but that's all fine. Somber. What, did you, what did you have to talk about? i got one more, but I'll save it to the end because um, it's a bit of a discussion point. Man, mine's a bit somber as well. It's that the Earth's glaciers are melting faster than ever. So scientists using three-dimensional satellite measurements, uh, they found that glaciers are losing 31% more snow and ice per year than they did 15 years earlier. Um, and they did this by using 20 years of recently declassified satellite data. So they they just got a hunk of data so that they could finally model all this stuff up. Who who declassified that data? Was I it? Have the, no it, would, idea. it would be the Soviets or the Americans? I, it would be one of the yeah, two. I, I looked I looked in the article and it didn't actually say who declassified it, but it was an American site, so I assume it was the Americans. But what they were saying is half the world's glacier loss is coming from the United States and Canada and almost all the world's glaciers are melting, even the ones in Tibet, which were used to be the only ones that were stable, um, except for a few in Iceland and Scandinavia, but that's only because they're being fed by increased rainfall, um, so the, and the melt rates are ex- accelerating all around the world. So yep. pretty much, as we we talked about glaciers, I'm pretty sure earlier seasons as well, um, it's not looking good. So. No, it's looking grim, and it, there, there is a tipping point that keeps getting moved further and further closer. Yeah. It used to be way out at like 20, 2100, but it's coming ever closer. Yeah. And it's we, we talked about it in the past. It's sort of um, when the glacial melt occurs, like that's, that's one thing. But when the actual ice sheet serious melt comes into effect, that's where the serious sea level rise happens. And that's not for like another hundred years. But... The clo- the quicker and quicker the glacial melt speeds up, the closer and closer you're thinking. Man, this ice, sh- ice sheet melt might come and affect us like earlier than that. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a it's a knock on effect. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was my bit of science news. <laughs> What's your um, discussion point? Um, mine's more of a discussion point is that GMO mosquitoes have just been released in the Florida Keys in the US um. to ta- help tackle diseases like Zika and other and other ones yeah. like malaria and some of the other big ones that mosquitoes. Mosquitoes transmit, and that's a big, big uh, thing, I suppose, over there. Not yep. so much in New Zealand. Yeah, um, and they do this by genetically altering male mosquitoes with a lethal gene that is only expressed in females. Okay. Yeah, and you need to know a little bit about mosquito um, life life cycle to understand the significance of that. Is that only females are the ones that bite humans? Oh, okay. Males feed exclusively on nectar. Okay, so, so, is, so the males breed with a female. All their young have the lethal gene. So, it's so they're only, only expressed male. by the females, so they all die. And then the males go on and mate with other females without the lethal gene. So it's kind of like oh, a. So it's like culling the population slowly. Yeah. Man, but how quickly would that move through a population? I, I don't know. It's, it's, they've, they've tried it a few times. They tried it in Brazil. Yeah. And this is the first time it's being tried in the US. But there's a whole. The ethics behind it, I suppose. Yeah, that's crazy. God. That is that is seriously playing God. That's that's like not even culling a population. That's putting into the gene pool gene pool something that's at the end of the day going to terminate that species. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there still be there still will be some mosquitoes around. Yeah. I'd imagine, but you'd significantly lower. Yeah, and my question, Flynn, is to you: Is it a good thing considering the amount of insects have the amount incre- insects have decreased in like the last ten years? Um, Like, is it another good thing to knock another insect down? I mean, any time you mess with the ecosystem, it's a bad thing. Um, But it's really hard to judge our effect on the ecosystem. You know, you may be like, oh, we've done something. It's caused mass sort of increase in mosquito numbers, and maybe this is rectifying it. But I don't know how you would figure that out or even consider, you know, what the human effect is and what the natural effect is. And then there's the whole playing God. Like, should we even... Shouldn't yeah. be doing it. Yeah, I suppose from a humanitarian point, it is. It is probably the right thing to do because Zika is a nasty, nasty disease, and I, f- I feel like sure. especially it affects developing countries a lot more. So I feel like if there's a way to do it pretty cheaply, and I imagine this is a lot cheaper than just going through and eliminating mosquitoes in certain areas, yeah. it is. It is probably. Maybe I think. Right I, th- I think. Yeah. There's. There really is like two views on it. There's the. There's the holistic perspective, the standing back and looking at, at it everywhere, like how it affects the world. And then the humanitarian, like is this right for us to help people and save lives if we can? It's a like, it's hard one. There's no right or wrong answer, obviously, but yeah, I, it was an interesting one that I saw and I was like, well, that's a pretty novel way to, to to sort out something. Yeah, But is it necessarily the more ethical way of being scientist one? It's something we think about and have to have a lot of... Like hoops to jump through, especially I'm finding out now. Yeah, with um ethics, but you want to give an update? To. We haven't, we didn't even give an update on what we're doing these days. So, you're doing your master's in marine science, yes. I'm looking at the herbicide effects on embryo development of intertidal fish, specifically glyphosate, which is an active ingredient in Roundup, Yeah. And what are you doing? Flynn? <laughs> I'm also doing my masters, but I'm I've stepped away from science a bit. But um, I'm still still big focus on like environmental stuff, and especially my supervisor I have for my dissertation. Her big thing is climate change action and stuff like that. Um, so I'm pretty involved in science still, but I'm taking it a step away sort of in my studies. And that's yeah, it. less the hands on, more the the wider of reaching. How do we implement science? And- I'm just getting really good at reading articles now. I'm just I'm sort of just owning that. It is certainly, certainly something skill. I need to be better at, but <laughs> we're slowly getting there. Yeah, together we'll make up one good student at the end of the day at some point. And maybe an average podcast at best. <laughs> um, do you want to jump in? I know you have, this is very rare from you. You have a, a Trump talk. Speaking of global warming, where is we need some global warming? I it's freezing. Sad. And you can't believe it. The man is out of office. The man is off social media, but he's still having an effect. Yeah, he's so, forever gonna have an effect, that man. So Trump last year took gray wolves off the endangered species list, which is like I don't know the the where how the U.S. government directs its funding for certain animals, yeah, and and how vulnerable they are. So he, he he took them off, stating that the population is significantly recovered and is no and is no longer warrant population. I, I think we talked about it last year, but they they don't have their natural range anymore. There's a whole lot of issues, but yeah, so. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, big big L for the gray wolves in general. Oh, it gets it gets better, Flynn, because um, now that they're off the endangered species list, local government bodies can enact certain policies. And so Idaho, being Idaho, and 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 the great that they are, they've introduced a bill to kill ninety percent of gray wolves in their state, and it passed the house fifty eight to eleven. Wow, wow, that's wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and the funny thing specialist. is, the US government has spent millions of dollars in the past five years trying to rehabilitate the species back to like a sustainable level. Yeah. And they're just going to undo it. I off. know. It's incre- it is, is actually it's incredible. Pissing eh? away money. Pissing yeah. away money, pretty much. Oh. Pissing it to the wind of fuel. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Incredible. So that's the Don's knock on effects. He's gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. No. Never. Never forgotten. But yeah, I think that leads well into um, our new segment actually, which is which is replacing Trump talk. Um, so I don't know if I don't know if you were aware there was an election last year. Oh, I certainly was. Yeah. I watched it with keen interest. And um, our man, our man, the Griezmann, unfortunately went down. Took but, an L. Yeah, big L. And the man from the bunker, the man who had been hiding in his bunker all year, he took the W. His name's Biden. Joe Biden. Sleepy Joe Biden. Sleepy Joe Biden. Uh, so we're having Biden bunker storage from the bunker, just some news coming out of the bunker. Anything that he can type on his wireless to us, direct and straight to us. So Biden. Um, so the first the first thing I have to say on the Biden bunker is um, the story that Biden pledges U.S. will cut climate change pollution at least in half by twenty thirty, which that is, is, a, is a huge promise. It's a huge target, and I think it's it's the absolute antithesis of of the dong of what he's been aiming to do. So. I, Man, that's a huge target. I will be watching Biden closely now to see what he does to achieve that, because that is so ambitious. Yeah, so he pledged that the US would cut its output of climate change carbon gases at least 50% below 2005 levels. So at least it's not 1998 levels, but 2005 levels by the end of the decade. So like, we're already one year into the decade as well, which is incredible. Um, and the goal ranges from a minimum of 50% up to a maximum of 52 so that's pretty generous. In um, 2019, the U.S. emitted 6.5 billion metric tons of carbon, which is down 13% from 2005 levels. So they've, they've gone some way, they've started, but 50% is that incredible. Is almost. I'm I willing to bet my bottom dollar that's unachievable. <laughs> yeah, but it's a target, at least. I mean, considering Idaho is just reversing some <laughs> some some environmental bills, and, I think. And like, I, th- I think the big problem is, is that America's a you know a federation of states. You know, like all the states have their own individual policies and governments, and it's so hard to like have a shared goal like that. Like, you can try really hard from like the national level to force it down, but. Just the way that they're structured with states, I just don't know how that's possible. I mean, I I like where his head's at and his thinking's at, but like maybe twenty percent is more achievable. Like it's a good goal, yeah, it's a great goal, but realistically, I don't think it's very achievable. Yeah, I, like I think it 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 would be a good goal, but they've definitely called it a target and a pledge. Like just the wording seems very like very fairy. Yeah. Um yeah. But anyway, like good intentions yeah. almost but anyway like one of one of the my second thing for Biden my second and only other thing for Biden Bunker is that his administration is proposing to phase out the greenhouse gases used in refrigerators um, so the EPA are boys at the EPA who you know last year took the um, gray wolves off their endangered species list um, they're proposing to do something great which is get rid of hydrofluorocarbons in refrigeration and they're one of the main sort of um, gases which affect climate change, or well, not one of the main, but one of one of the ones that do. Are they also the ones that used to back in the day hit the ozone layer pretty hard? Nah, that was C- CFCs, but they're very very similar. Like it's it's the same idea. It's like detrimental gases which oh, yeah. are part of. So this, I think they were CFCs, were from aerosols, but yeah, these are a little bit different. But they're still really damaging gases which are being pumped into. It's the same situation. Um, and it's it's like the same action. Hopefully, the new rule is intended to decrease the U.S. production and use of gases by eighty five percent over the next fifteen years. So pretty much like phasing it out, which which is great. I mean, to give the Don a bit of credit, it was part of a bill that he signed in Congress in December, which was part of the pandemic relief. But like. It was signed. In it was signed after he lost the election, so I don't know how much say he really had. And it was also part of the pandemic relief. And God knows what that man read when he signed off any of his bills. Um, I think it was just pictograms. But anyway, 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 I'll give him some credit. The Don signed that bill, and this this new um this new legislation is from the Biden administration, but it's building on that bill originally. So I'll give the man some credit, but not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, he. Yeah, we bag him, but we got to look at it objectively. And yeah. as much as we despise the man and what he did, <laughs> what he's done, um, yeah, you've got to take the silver linings and give him a little bit of a pound yeah. back. And we're going to be tough on Biden as well because he hasn't fixed any problems just by being elected. No. He's, he's got to still fix problems. That's why problems. the Biden bunker exists. And, and that's what the Biden... We're going to get telegraphs straight from the man. He's going to be typing it out on his typewriter and getting his um, secretary to, to read it out. And then someone's going to send it via wireless. Because that's how he works. He'll bite a man on the typewriter. Let's <laughs> hope so he doesn't fall asleep. Yeah. Anyway, I think, I think that's enough of the formalities. I reckon it's time to jump into a topic, Ben. What have you got topic. for us today? Well, I thought it was super topical considering there were lots of phrases about, Oh, 2020, the worst year in history. Like, worst year to be alive. Like, lockdown. Like, sucked. Like, yeah, it, was, it was pretty bad generally, I reckon. I saw a lot of people hitting that out in the in the social media space especially thought, and the, the headlines like lots of headlines were like worst year ever blah 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 but I thought being a good scientist one is there any credibility to that claim and it turns out there's a much worse year there is a much worse year to be alive I In mean, that year. I mean, I've I've always thought that you know, like life's got better. So even if we had a crap year, twenty twenty, like it's still gonna be better than some year. But <laughs> I'm sure you've found an absolute stinker. This is a humdinger. Year five thirty six eighty, not the time you want to be alive. No, not the time you want to be alive. It's a good time for dinner though. Five thirty six <laughs> for you, anyway. Yeah, I, I love an early dinner. But yeah, sorry, five thirty six AD. What's happening? Give us some well, context. We'll start it off. Early five thirty six, huge volcanic eruption in Iceland, huge volcanic eruption. One of one of the big ones that covers that covers the the cloud the sky with, with yeah the covered the whole, of the, whole of the northern hemisphere in ash. Nice, that's so, a great. That's a great start to the year. Um, so it puts Europe, Middle East, and parts of Asia into pretty much permanent haze for most of the year. Man. And they complain about that big smog back in the day in London for like four days. <laughs> yeah, but this is the whole sun. <laughs> this, is, this is everything. Just haze for the whole... How, how long was it for? Oh, pretty much like the whole year. The whole year. Incredible. And so in, in, in this, of course, uh, despite looking airy and ghostly, it caused temperatures to drop, crops to fail, and quite a lot of people died as a result. Man. So a Byzantine historian wrote, The sun gave forth its light without brightness, like the moon, during the whole year. Oh man, and like there's not much science back then. Yeah, and so no, it must and, have been noticeable. And no noticeable. one's reporting you, like r- giving you that information from up in Iceland. Oh yeah, we just saw this huge like volcano blow at its top. Like you're just like the world is ending. God hates us. God's just put a blanket on top of the earth and just left it there. Yeah. So and it, and it was kind of like a bit of a freezer because the northern hemisphere dropped. Its average summer temperature from 1.7 to 2.8 degrees Celsius, colder than normal. Jeez, 2.8—that's three, three degrees. Like that's Dunedin on a warm winter's day difference in temperature. And and you might ask, well, how, how the hell did they get that specific number? And that's the, they used by they discovered it by examining tree rings. Ah, oh, so, yeah, so yeah. It's all the art of tree rings. Apparently, they you can see quite were a they're, lot. Well they rate. one of the? They one of the great. Um, history tellers of, of sort of climate events it's that and isotopes in the ice um, are the two real dead ringers for what the hell happened <laughs> you go to the trees and you go to the ice and see what the hell happened and I got another quote from a man who's got quite a cool name Michael the Syrian a Byzantine scribe he quoted the sun became dark and its darkness lasted for 18, month- 18 months each day it shone for about four hours and still it was only a feeble shadow man So And this became termed the late antique Little Ice Age. Whoa. So it it did have lasting effects for the rest of the century, and it was... I can imagine. It was a bit of a bugger. Oh, it's a huge bugger. So that was like... And that's that's just the start of this worst year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you've obviously got the volcanic eruption, and then a whole lot of other stuff happened because of it. Because of that, yeah. So the darkness, obviously, and temperature drop led to widespread famine as crops failed. Yeah. (laughs) Understandably. So it sparked a global famine. Um, the drop in temperature, along with weak and limited light, are responsible for that. As yeah. you can imagine, the plants wouldn't be very happy. Yeah, they like light even more than we like light. We like heading the beach on a summer's day, but the plants like surviving each day with photosynthesis. So I can imagine they were pretty pissed off when, when the volcano yeah. ruined that. No, no good. An island had a, a, a scarily named famine that they called it. They called it bread failure. That's a very that's scary name for a famine. And it's, it sounds like a very technical name. I think that's pre-science. I like that from Ireland. That's good. Straight and simple. Um, so obviously one of the big centers, the Byzantine Empire at the time. Yep. Constantinople before Constantinople. It's, it's just the Western, oh, the Eastern Roman Empire, for those who are a bit confused. Yep. They don't, haven't, haven't done their undergrad history or high school history. Um, it's just the continuation of Rome, but slightly in the east. Um, so they they are crippled by famine. They also had a bit of a plague Flynn. Ah, oh. well, that, that goes well with famine. It's a it great does. pairing. It does, and it was a bit of a. It's a cousin to the bubonic plague, but not the bubonic plague. Yeah, and unfortunately, the emperor at the time, Justinian. Unfortunately, the plague's not named after him. Oh. The plague of Justinian. Man, that's rough. Can we just name the COVID after Trump and just call it the Trump The Trump virus. The Trump virus. Oh, wait, no. Nah, he's already been busy labeling it. Let's forget that one. I don't <laughs> like what he does. Justinian, uh, so the Justinian plague. Yeah, the plague of Justinian. And it, the plague and, and, Justinian. And it began with a sore on the palm of the hand and progressed until, it, until the afflicted could no longer move due to pain. So it's quite an awful, awful oh, disease. Yeah. Plague. The bubonic plague was... Pretty it sounded severe and horrible, and I can imagine this yeah. is, you know, no good. No and good chroniclers also. at the time described the stench of dead bodies in Constantinople as unbearable. Oh. So Justinian, being the good emperor, he was ordered the bodies removed, um, and of course that exposed more of the population <laughs> yeah. to the actual yeah, disease. Yeah. All the people who picked up the bodies, were like, oh, oh God, now I have the plague. Yeah. Oh, what. Damn, and I think that one was was maybe the key reason why it was named. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. After his real great idea, um, so it's estimated that fifty million people died from the plague of Justinian. Oh man! And he also Tough. also did a great thing, which is, oh, there's a plague in the neighboring towns. Let's go raiding. <laughs> Let's go take some land. Oh no! So of course that that, that when you when you're marching armies around and, yeah. and there's a lot of human contact. You're obviously going to spread the plague a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I can, yeah. I I actually take it back. That's a hundred percent fair. It was named after Justinian. He <laughs> deserved every cent of that from the. That's yeah, what I never I'd never heard of him actually, and that's like one of the key things that that his name continues on. He's immortal, <laughs> Flynn, which is what most emperors want, I suppose. He's been immortalized in one of the worst plagues in um, the worst year ever. Yeah, so we'll head east, some more, Flynn. It doesn't stop. Oh. It doesn't stop in China. And Mesopotamia, along with, um, oh, well, they reported strange weather events, Flynn. Yeah. And these weather events were strange. It rained dust. That's, oh, would that be like the ash or silica raining down with the. They don't really yeah? know, but they. It was said you could scoop it by the handful. So there was yeah. a lot of it. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. So a uh, chronicler for the Nan Sea in the 6th century reported a yellow ash-like substance falling from the sky. And the chroniclers of the southern dynasties reported a rare summer event with frost in midsummer and snow in August. God, man, that's a terrible year to plan a party, man. It's so much worse than COVID. You plan an event and then all this yellow frost, yellow snow starts raining down. Yeah, so obviously all the crops died, all the wine died, everything died. So they went into a famine as well. <laughs> um, God. So they lost in China about 70 to 80% of their population, their local population. That's crazy. That is a ridiculous amount of people. Yeah. What What was the Black Plague? The was Black, the Black Plague, Plague was like off the top of my head. That was quite a significant amount. I think it was like one in four. It's, it's not 80%. That's, no. that's, that's 70 to 80%. That's crazy. That's... A lot. You'd have a lot of ghost cities. and Yeah. It's a ridiculous amount. Man. And we're focused a lot on the, the air quote, Western world. Yeah. Um, so we'll swing it back to um, the Peruvian Moshi civilization out in, um, in Central America. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they won't class this year as, as their best either, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> the class of, what is it, 536? <laughs> yeah, not very good at all worst graduating class ever (laughs) so a bit of bit of context for the Mochi civilization I don't know how to pronounce it it's M-O-C-H-E if you want to go read up on them Um, they were avid fishermen Flynn they loved fish and um, they were developers of like a really advanced agricultural system as well so they had like irrigation lines and things like that that they used to to sort their crops out and um, unfortunately Flynn in 536 there was a unusually strong El Nino event ah unsurprising with the other weather events going on. Um, So that caused the water to rise in their neck of the woods drastically. And you know what that did, Flynn? Just flooded out all the irrigation? It killed all the fish. Oh, really? So they lost a lot of fish. And because it's an El Nino event, you get a lot of heavy rainfall. Yep. And that absolutely wiped the irrigation system from the Earth. So that saw so that one coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's and it's actually one of the reasons they think or historians think that led to the collapse of their civilization was this year alone. I can I can imagine. Is it humdinger. It's uh not, not the year you want to be trotting around the globe or no, or doing anything Make, actually making any plans this is a big year off yeah this is a big sit down in the dark for a year and reflect on your, th- yeah, on your well, literally in the dark wherever you were you're in the dark yeah and that was the year of 536 man what a, what a year that's so tough that's so tough that makes 2020 seem look, so much better so tame oh yeah I, I, I was I was reading up on it and I was like man shit that's no good yeah. Well, there you go. So if you ever hear anyone blasting about how terrible it is living in the, the post-COVID world in 2020 or 2021, just remind them of 536 and what those poor buggers had to go through yeah, for man. a whole year. Not just in one spot either. Everywhere. Everywhere. And for the whole year. Incredible. And it would have been lasting. There would have been lasting ramifications. Yeah, lasting for, effects. Forever. And they could really tell how they did it by looking at ice cores. And yeah. ice cores retain... Some, it's something to do with smelting silver. Okay. So around before 536, there was a lot of silver being smelted because there's a lot of minerals in the ice core yeah. that come from the atmosphere and deposit themselves in. I'm not sure of the exact sites. And then it stopped for about 50 years. And then 50 years, they started smelting gold again. So they reckon it was like a 50-year effect yeah. the, the year had. And it took it 50 years to... It's like almost a generation back in the day to, to get it. Yeah, to get to civilization get rolling, rolling again. So rolling some sort of sit- situation it was in. Man, that's so tough. It's a tough year. It was a tough year all around, I think. Yeah. God. That's, I, I, yeah. What a what a morbid topic you brought in. Yeah. Like, I know. But thank God because you made twenty twenty seem so much more bearable, yeah. and twenty twenty one seems stellar. It's a big future problem. Yeah. yeah, that we have. Like, I feel like they had it really tough. Especially not having an understanding of what was happening. Yeah, you would feel like you're being punished for something, yeah. which it was just natural events. It's it's a, just a lineup of bad events, really. Yeah, it's just bad luck. Yeah, that's, that's so what tough. It is. Anyway, I think we'll roll around to my topic now. Um, so I thought I've been thinking for this one for a while actually, and I think it's it's quite a topical and important conversation to be having today and sort of like the modern health. Sort of arena today. I'm talking about e-cigarettes or vapes or nicotine vapes. Is I'm probably going to refer to them as just because, like, that's how it's commonly talked yeah, about by and, all the, the the kids in the in, out and about. Yeah, and the article I'm drawing from, I'm drawing from two articles, but the first one I'm drawing from mainly is electronic cigarettes for smoking session. Um, and I'm I'm doing that because earlier I thought oh, I'd go through the literature and have a look at different health effects and stuff like that. And I know that. Because vaping hasn't been around for very long, it's very hard to have those long-term studies. So it's really hard to be sure or certain on any of the sort of health effects of, of vaping. It's a big, it's a big thing in health is the long-term studies. You need those longitudinal studies to really be have conclusive evidence on yeah. health. Yeah, and, and I like and that. I mean they can almost be sure that there are health long-term health effects, but they just have no clue what they are as of yet. So I found it really hard to to. Sort of pick and choose articles in that, and it felt like cherry picking. So I, I stepped away from that. I went and got an article from the Cochrane Library. Do you know what the Cochrane Library is? No, I, I, this is the first time hearing of it. Okay, so the Cochrane Library is a collection of regularly updated evidence based healthcare databases. So, pretty much what that is, is they review literature for the general public and publish their findings so that people can get a consensus view on health problems. So it's like a communication institute, like a science communication institute. Yeah. So so it's got reviews from the Cochrane Collaboration, which is a registered charity and a world-leading producer of reviews. Um, and these reviews bring together research on the effects of healthcare. And they're considered the gold standard for, just for determining the relative effectiveness of different interventions because they compare and contrast stuff. And you can have a look at all the evidence in one place. Um, So I I thought I'd do that. Instead of myself going through and sort of picking out articles, I'd I'd analyze the review and see what they said. So what they said is electronic cigarettes, or as they're referred to now as nicotine vapes, and that's, I think, in a way to distance themselves from smoking, from cigarettes. So that'll be the nicotine companies actively trying to change the image of the product, you think? I I think it's both like a health thing. It's for smokers don't want to call them e-cigarettes, but also The public doesn't want to refer to them as cigarettes, but I guess it's just caught on. Vapor, vaporizing vapes. Um, The main difference between them is in smoking, you deliver nicotine by burning tobacco, and in vapes, you vaporize like heat up a liquid, Um, and because vapes don't burn tobacco, they don't expose users to the same level of toxins, which are known to be carcinogenic in cigarettes. So that means it's a really popular alternative to, and a, and a great way to in the article of says session of smoking which is just stopping smoking. So it's a great alternative and way to quit smoking. Um, the Cochrane Review looked at specifically the use of nicotine alternatives. So that's also nicotine patches. Um, I don't know what the other ones are but they looked at nicotine patches is like the th- third one. There's also cold turkey and also behavioural support but they looked at The use of nicotine alternatives to stop smoking, the most recent edition considered 56 studies up to the 1st of February 2021, so very recently, um, and it totaled 12,800 adult smokers. The review found that most people who stop smoking for at least six months use nicotine vapes, so it is the most popular way to stop smoking. And for every 100 people, 10 or 11 might successfully stop smoking. And the review sort of looked at its confidence in its results as well. So the review was moderately confident that nicotine vapes are the most effective product for quitting smoking. They looked at the evidence and they're like, we're pretty confident. Um, however, they were less confident when they were considering those results with or without support, behavioral support. So that's like using resources like Quitline and stuff like that and having people help you sort of quit as well. I mean, they highlighted three, three key points. The first was that nicotine vapes do help people stop smoking for at least six months, and they probably work better than other alternatives. They may work better than no support or only behavioral support, and that the area of nicotine vapes in general needs more research to confidently assert the effects, um, particularly with newer vapes. So pretty pretty much the general consensus. Like, um, If you wanted a general understanding of the science and the health effects, what is the general consensus at the moment? Um, it was a great piece of literature. So so they're just saying, if you want to quit and have the desire to quit, take vaping and behavioural Yeah, so behavioral to get support. To, so you support. So, you, know, you want support to be able to get out of the habit, but also as a product to help you do it. Vaping is the best over nicotine patches and other things. Um, and that vaping is better for you in general health effects that they know of at the moment than smoking. I suppose that's the big crux no of at the moment because obviously yeah. cigarettes have been around for ages and and they've had a lot of long long longitudinal studies done on them but yeah well there's been people dying of, you know lung cancers in their 50s from when they were smoking in their 20s for like almost 200 years sort of thing um, and that's evidence that you can't admit, like it's clear evidence that there's smoking related long term health issues and vaping's so new that that we haven't had time to see those effects from yeah, from those kids or adults coming through to the later stages of their life who did abuse vapes or yeah. So I I think I just wanted to highlight that first that study first that review so that people had like a general idea of the facts. The second report that I wanted to look at. So this is all if you want to go to to find out about all this, this is where I found out about it. Is the Ministry of Health has a website on quitting smoking and vaping e-cigarettes in specific. So like. You can go to that website, and it has all the facts and everything, and it links to a lot of these articles. And these were two articles that it highlighted quite at the top, and I had to read through. And this article I had a little bit more problem with, but I'm going to go through it as well. So this was a evidence review, much like the Cochrane Review, commissioned by Public Health England. And it was called Cigarettes and Heated Tobacco Products in 2018. So that's what it's the review it's, was. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a few years. Yeah, so they had a range of key findings. In regard to nicotine, they found that the addictiveness of nicotine depends on the delivery system. So I think that was an interesting finding, that it depends, like the addictiveness isn't just the nicotine and the amount of nicotine, but it's how you get the nicotine in. Um, it is also possible that the effectiveness can be enhanced by compounds in smoke or vapor other than nicotine. So that's the, that the addictiveness might not just be the nicotine people also get addicted to other components whether it be smoking or vaping uh, what else there was vapes nicotine delivery has improved which may have increased the addictive potential it have also may have increased the attractiveness to smokers as a replacement so because vapes have become more efficient they might have become more addictive but it means that more current smokers are willing to try vaping so as a product that is you know mainly to stop smoking It's doing its job. Um, These one were quite key. Most current vape users use daily and have vaped for more than six months, which sort of I can see in my personal life, in my experience, what it's like. Adolescent nicotine vape research, there just needs to be more of it. They were pretty much like, this is one topic which we we don't have much in and I'll well, talk, it's good that they're upfront about that as well and i'll yeah. talk about that in a moment but, um there's a couple other things long-term vape effects on lungs is not yet known which we just talked about this is something that i think a lot of people talk about when they talk about the health risks of of vape and there's like quite a lot of debate on it but it, it's pretty simple really um diacetyl have you ever heard of that no I haven't it's like well, a, you're, the, you're the chemist you probably, yeah. you probably have dealt with that a lot more so it's like a it's like a chemical that was in vape juice, which was causing a lot of controversy in like the states and stuff because people were getting popcorn lung or it was being associated with popcorn lung, which was like a a disease where like your lung was just bugged um, and so like in the community there's been like a lot of like discussion about it and in the UK they banned it, but in New Zealand it's not regulated. So, like, you can actually buy vape juices with diacetyl, which has been connected with popcorn and Lung in, in New Zealand. But most of the top brands don't have it in because they are sold everywhere. Um, so I thought that was, like, quite interesting. That's, that's interesting that we're lacking behind that in that department. And I, I'm going to get through just a couple more facts and sort of shoot through, and then I just want to have a discussion with you. But um, So that's, like, one of the clear health dangers. <coughs> the other is that... um. Vapes can release toxic aldehydes if overheated, which cause bad taste. Um, and this is one of the... Uh, it causes a bad taste, sort of indicates that you may like notice that it, that it's doing it. There's been a lot of debate on this, and this is one of the articles that I was looking into before I did this. So on this, I'm not as confident, but there have been numerous studies that have shown if you overheat it, it will release toxic aldehydes. So it's like a bad chemical that you don't want in your body. Um the other thing that they said is that there are many mis- per- misperceptions about nicotine in the community and that most smokers have poor nicotine knowledge. That is that they don't understand most health harms from smoking are not caused by nicotine itself. They they found that 4 in 10 smokers thought that it was nicotine in cigarettes that caused most of the smoking-related cancers, and it's, it's just not. It's the other toxins. Um, so those are just the facts that I wanted to talk about. And now this is where I think we'll have a good discussion, is where I find issue with some of this evidence, and it was definitely in this report and not the Cochrane report, is that it just doesn't seem to translate with my own experience. Um, and I think that may have to have to do with that lack of research in, with adolescence. And, and I, I highlighted a couple points from there that just don't seem to fit with my own experience. Most vape trials do not become regular use, is what they were saying. Um, the other point they were saying is most popular groups of flavors of fruit followed by tobacco followed by menthol. Um, although I was aware that this could be a legislation thing like they might not they may only be able to sell some flavors and stuff because a lot of countries have regulated it and that the most common reason for use is to stop smoking, which I is probably fair, but I just wanted to talk to you about it because I checked up on Instagram before we did this podcast just a couple questions on, like people's experiences with vaping and something i found overwhelming was a lot of the people who responded to my questions were people who had who were currently vaping and had smoked before so they were had gone from smoking to vaping but when i asked a question so they all answered different responses on all the questions but the final question i asked was do you know people who currently vape with nicotine vapes but who have never smoked before and I had 100% answer rate of yes, which just doesn't. And it's something that I see in my like, own experience, which just doesn't seem to translate to the, the literature views. Like, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, certainly you've got to be a bit careful because we, we know quite a few of the same people. So obviously it's, we're very small, enclosed sample yeah. size. But I agree with you. I feel like there's a lot more people out there who have never smoked before But who are absolutely pounding their vapes and yeah and and doing that stuff and i mean regardless i didn't want to make it too about the long-term health effects because it's it's pretty much conclusive and doing any putting anything into your lungs is not good for your lung health they're not sure about the long-term cancer um chances with vaping and stuff like that but just generally it's not great for your lungs but the thing I wanted to to sort of highlight is just how prevalent it is today in like the adolescent community and it's exactly where the evidence reports and all of the academic literature is lacking. And it just doesn't seem to reflect like, uh, like I I just feel like it's a big problem today, like that a lot of like young people, especially school kids, like you're seeing around with like nicotine vapes. And it's just something, because it's so much more accessible and you can do it more in public that it's just behaviorably behaviorably like maybe more of a problem than cigarettes. Yeah, I agree. Like you get the whole there's a lot of laws around cigarettes and it's and it's made it more difficult by design to go have a smoke. You have to go outside, you have to you have to go and stand in the cold and remove yourself from a social situation. Yeah. But vaping is is completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. And I, and I mean Obviously, in its role as quitting smoking, it's important that it's accessible. But I think not by not putting any laws in, it's just you're really creating an opportunity for like harm to be done on like younger people or people who don't understand the health effects of it, even that they're you know compromising their health straight up by putting anything into their lungs. Um, and like if you're twelve or like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, you're not considering your long-term health no you're not you're not thinking like that we're not designed to think like that when we're and and i know and i know that it's an 18 plus product but in my experience that has not limited like vape use for adolescent kids or like children even and also the other thing being is that when children even if they had to smoke you know if you know if you were like 15 and you got your hands on a cigarette somehow from like Somehow, even though it's uh, regulated 18+, plus, you would have to take yourself away from a social environment to be able to smoke it. Like, you can vape anywhere. And there's none of that lasting smell, that lingering smell. That, yeah. That, 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 like, you you know if someone's had a cigarette around you. Yeah. 100%. But you don't necessarily know if someone's had a vape around you. So you don't, you don't get that, that same sort of and, stigma, I suppose. And the other thing that I found when I was, like, just... Casting a couple of questions out onto Instagram was that a lot of people who answered had been smokers and started vaping and could accurately like tell me the amount that they were smoking beforehand. Very few people could tell me how much they were vaping. They pretty much all said daily or weekly. But because you can't contextualize it in how much you have to buy, no one was saying I, I buy this amount of vape juice per week. Month or week or no one was saying that, but people could quantify how many cigarettes they were having. Um, and I know they're not translatable at all because cigarettes have are much more damning on your health, but it's just crazy that um, especially I think the reason a lot of people don't say they vape or are currently vaping and um, people who are non who were non-smokers is because they can't quantify how much they're actually having. you know if you're saying oh, I just have it on a night out or I just do it then or I just do it whenever. Like, it's really hard to quantify how much vape have you done? Like, how have you had? How much vaping have you actually done? Yeah, how much? Yeah, and it's very, with cigarettes, you can say, oh, I've had like a pack a day or half a pack a day. Exactly. You and and even though they're not fully comparable, you were able to quantify how much you're doing it and your usage. And I think that maybe that in literature is just underrepresented for vaping. I don't know. Just, just it's certainly a weird one, because eh? especially we see it a lot around well me and flynn hang out in the uni environment there's every i reckon two and three people has a vape it's yeah it's so prevalent um someone responded everyone i know has a vape and when i cast the questions out um and someone also responded uh when i said how often do you vape they said all the time the whole day and it's just, you know, it's responses like that, which go, you go, wow, like, I I feel like vaping's underrepresented. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, it, yeah, there's at definitely... Least, at, at least in, like, youth culture. Yeah, I think it definitely needs, there's definitely a gap in the literature then that yeah. needs to be looked into significantly, because I feel like that's it's our generation that's going to have the long-term effects yeah. of it, because we've been probably doing it the longest when it comes to... Exactly. And probably, I dare say, the most intensive as well. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, I didn't want to tackle this too hard because I know for a lot of people who are quitting smoking, like vaping is the better option and it is the best option and quitting smoking is really hard. But I just feel that there's a really big portion of society which is becoming more prevalent of non-smokers who have started vaping. And it's just whether or not, like what are the scientific... Um, like studies saying about that what are the health effects and the answer is we don't know but also it looks like in the studies the actual prevalence of this portion of society is not really represented it's just interesting I, I'm really interested by it yeah and it's something I, you've talked about a bit with me before in the past and yeah. it's weird that there's that gap so it's definitely something we will keep an eye on and try and report back to you guys when we find out stuff because it is yeah, and I think at the end of the day, this sort of information and these sort of studies only come out over time. And because vaping is prevalence has only really been a big thing in the last 10 years, it's so early on. It's so, so early on that you can't really make a call about anything. But exactly, as as stuff comes out, it's just you want to be informed. Which is why we do the whole podcast one. Exactly. it's the <laughs> Not... Point- not, not- necessarily for you guys but more for ourselves was the original idea and it's kind of spanned yeah yeah anyway but it's bloody good to be back I'm 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 happy that it's continued and that we've been fished from the brink of yeah we, we of were retirement we were we were really left just sort of floundering being like oh well I guess that's the end of the podcast like what are we gonna do like we're in different cities blah 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 and then oh the awesome crew radio one just facilitated facilitated everything just giving us the deadlines, telling us what to do, and just be there and just do it. Kind of mummying us in a weird way. Ah, oh, but we need that. We just need get it done. We definitely need it. Oh, well, guys, that's it for the podcast. I think so. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe out there. That was a Radio One Ninety One FM podcast. Find more at r1.co.nz.